Thanks for joining us for this recording from the Southdale Church of the Nazarene in Anderson, Indiana. I'm Pastor Brad Burrow, and I'm glad you are listening. Someone once said, we are what we repeatedly do. During the month of November, we're looking at some of the things we do as a church repeatedly in the prayerful hope that God will use these things to make us more like Jesus Christ. Thanks again for listening. Now here's the message. 1 Corinthians is where we are at, and some of you are already thinking it, aren't you? Admit it, you're thinking it already. He did it again. Uh-huh. He forgot. Silly old Pat. I, I didn't forget. I probably will. So don't, don't go easy on me. I probably will forget by the time we get to the end of the service, but I've not forgotten the offering We're just going to do that after we have time to talk together. Uh, Before we get into the message, though, I want to remind you that we're a church that believes we exist for the glory of God and the good of our community. And one of the ways that we work for the good of our community every year is through the Toys for Tots campaign. And you know, because of, of Alice's health struggles, that she is not able to be here, and Alvin is not able to be here with us on a weekly basis, and he's normally the one who stands here and tells you about Toys for Tots. I kind of have to fill in for him this year. But the tables are already out in the foyer. I don't know if, because of the illness, we'll be able to have boxes, but you know what the tables are for, and you can start filling them in with your Christmas gifts that will go to bless children and families within our own congregation and within our own community. Um, you have until the 16th of December to do that. Uh, Alvin is still coordinating things. Even though he can't be here, he's still coordinating things for Count on a Marine to get the job done, right? He's still coordinating things for us, and the 16th is when either he or someone else will come to pick those gifts up and take them to the citywide distribution. So you have until the 16th to bring those new unwrapped gifts in for our Toys for Tots campaign. I want you to bear that in mind and participate in that. That's a big part of who we are and what we do every year. That's not really what I want to talk to you about today. We're doing a series called We Are What We Repeatedly Do. And uh, we've been talking about a lot of the things we do on a regular basis in worship here at Southdale. We talked at the beginning about the way and the ways that we pray We talked also about passing the peace, and I hope as we took time at the outset of the service to greet each other, that you were mindful of those that you were greeting and were offering and receiving peace as you did that. We talked some about the way every week we take time to confess our sins and our need for God's grace, and the way we celebrate together God's grace through the sacrament of communion. Earlier in this very service, we talked about the rhythms of the Christian calendar, We've been talking about all of these things that we repeatedly do because we are shaped and formed by them. And there's one more thing that I'd like to talk to you about today, and it's the thing I've left out so far. It is giving. Every single Sunday, every single Sunday, we receive an offering, something we repeatedly do. And because we repeatedly do it, you notice when I forget and start waving at me from the back of the sanctuary. It's something we repeatedly do. But have you ever asked to... Have have you ever asked yourself, why is it that we do this, and why do we do it in this way? That's what I want to talk to you about this morning, the reasons why. Now, there are obviously, probably some pretty obvious answers to that question, why we receive an offering. Uh, We like having uh, light, we like having heat, we like having a building, 
and my children like having supper. So your giving helps us do those sorts of things. There are some obvious reasons why we receive offerings. But I have to ask, is there a deeper reason why we do it, and in particular, why we do it the way that we do? Because the fact is, we could take care of all of those things, light and heat and stuff. We could take care of all of those things in less intrusive and maybe even more effective ways. Yet every single Sunday we stop and we pray and we pass some plates through the congregation. Why do we do offering like that? In part, the answer to that question is because that's the way we've always done it. And that's not a flippant response. That's not a lazy response. Rather, it acknowledges that this act of receiving an offering uh, every single week was a part of the New Testament pattern for worship. When I say that's the way we've always done it, I'm talking about the churches to whom Paul writes in the New Testament practice worship. In Maybe they didn't use plates, but they practice worship in these ways. If you have your Bibles open to 1 Corinthians chapter 16 is where we are today. 1 Corinthians is one of the earliest writings, mentioned that last week, one of the earliest writings in the New Testament. Most likely 1st and 2nd, or 1st Thessalonians, maybe 2nd Thessalonians. Probably the book of Galatians was written before 1st Corinthians, but with the exception of those, probably 1st Corinthians is the oldest letter in the New Testament, outside of those I just mentioned. One of the earliest writings in the New Testament, Paul, writing to the church in Corinth, describes a regular pattern of giving as a part of the New Testament church's worship. 1 Corinthians chapter 16, the very opening verses make reference to that. Starting at verse 1, Paul writes, Now about the collection for the Lord's people, do what I told the Galatian churches to do. On the first day of every week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. Now, as Paul is writing these words, he's making reference to a special offering. Uh, This is a collection they were receiving on behalf of the needs of the Christians back in Jerusalem, where there was a famine and there was persecution. The church in Corinth was taking up a special offering to help supply their needs back in Jerusalem, their brothers and sisters in Christ. He's not necessarily talking about the regular offerings that went to support the life of the local congregation in Corinth, but I would argue in these instructions about how to give on behalf of the Jerusalem church, Paul gives some principles that are sound in regard to our giving. Paul talks about giving periodically. And as soon as I say that, I probably need to be careful because we use the word periodically in a few different ways. Sometimes we use the word periodically as if it means from time to time or occasionally. Not all the time, but just we only do it periodically. That's not what I mean here. I'm using the more specific sense of that term. A period is a specific length of time that repeats that repeats. Waves have a period. We call them wavelengths. They have a certain frequency by which they come through again and again and again. That's what I mean by the word periodically here. 
on a consistent, repeating rhythm. Paul tells the church to set aside a sum of money on the first day of every week, on the Lord's Day, when they would gather together for worship and for the Lord's Supper, they were to set that money aside as a part of their giving. But it's not just periodic giving that Paul recommends. He also commends giving proportionally. He says each of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income. Understanding that those who have more will be able to give more and those who have less will give by proportion, the same proportion, but by giving proportionally will give less because they have less to give. And there's no judgment in that. Paul just says, in keeping with your income, regularly set this money aside, collect it together on the first day of the week and save it up so that when I come, we won't have to make a special collection. Periodic, proportional giving is something that generations of Christians have discovered the power of. We can all give generously occasionally, but we can give far more if we give periodically and proportionally. Those every week on the first day of the week gifts add up to far more than we could ever give at just one single time. There's power in this principle of periodic proportional giving. Of course, as soon as I say that, one of the questions that comes to mind is what should the proportion be? Well, to get to that answer, you have to go to the next letter that Paul writes to that same congregation in Corinth. It's a book in our Bible we call 2 Corinthians, even though it's probably not the second. It's most likely the fourth letter that he writes to them, but we don't have all of those other letters. We call it 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians 9, Paul returns to the subject of giving and this collection they're taking for the church in Jerusalem. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, starting at verse 6, Paul writes, remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. As it is written, they have freely scattered their gifts to the poor, and their righteousness endures forever. Now he who supplies the seed to the sower, Paul writes, and bread for food, will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. And you will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. In that passage on giving, uh, Paul talks, before Paul ever even mentions proportion, Paul talks about perspective. What is the perspective of your giving? And Paul sets up two contrasts around this question of perspective. The first of them comes early in that passage. In, in the very first verse that we read, verse 6, Paul sets up the contrast between giving sparingly 
and giving generously. And that might sound to you, might sound to the modern mind as if he's talking about amount. But what Paul is talking about here is perspective in giving. <clears throat> Sparingly means what it sounds like. It means with regard to what you can spare. With an eye toward, toward what you have left. To give sparingly is to give from a perspective that asks, what do I have left over? And how much can I give and still have enough left over when I'm done? You can give that way. That is one perspective on giving. But Paul commends a different perspective. He says, you can give sparingly and you will reap sparingly, but you can also give generously and generously even though in english that's one word in in the language paul is writing here that's actually a phrase uh epiulogia uh toward blessing you can give with an eye towards what you have to spare paul says or you can give with an eye toward your blessings it's a different kind of perspective Generously, giving generously is giving in a way that recognizes how much we have been blessed, how much God has given to us, and out of that abundance of God's blessing, being a blessing to somebody else. Two different perspectives. One has an eye on how much we can spare. The other has an eye on how much we have already been blessed. The second contrast Paul sets up is the contrast between giving under compulsion and giving cheerfully. Well, my probably my favorite Greek dictionary defines the word used translated as compulsion in this passage as to cause or to compel someone in all the varying degrees. This word it captures all the different ways you get somebody to do something for you, from friendly pressure to forceful compulsion. And you can give from that perspective, whether it is wanting to be well thought of by somebody else, or feeling like this is your duty and you have to, or fearing what's going to happen to you if you don't give. You can give under compulsion if you want to. You can give because you have to. Or, Paul says, you can give cheerfully. The Greek word there I like is hilarion. We get our word hilarious from this. Paul says God loves a hilarious giver. Somebody who is so excited, so joyful about the blessings they have received, they just can't wait to do it. Nobody has to pressure them into doing it. No one has to threaten them if they don't do it. They just want to because God has been so good to me, I can't wait to give back to Him. What's your perspective, Paul says? You can give with an eye towards what you have to spare or with an eye towards how much you have been blessed with. And probably, depending on where your eye is focused, depends uh, or determines the attitude of your heart. If you have your eyes fixed on how much you have to spare and make sure you still have some left over when you're done, 
you'll go, well, I'll give this much because I have to. I'll give this much because I need to. I'll give this much because I'm afraid what will happen if I don't. But if your eye is on your blessings, if your eye is on the goodness of God and what He has done for you, you will cheerfully, gladly, hilariously, eagerly give. It's a question of perspective. Thinking though, hold on a second, Pastor. I thought we were looking for the proportion. Uh, We can talk about perspective, but how much are you asking for, right? Well, Paul gives some advice for that here as well. And I'll have you notice, he does not give a number. He does not say you have to give X number of dollars or even X percent of your dollars. Instead, he says, each of you, oops, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion. A couple of principles here. Paul says when you give periodically and proportionally, it should be purposeful. If you really are giving with an eye towards how much God has blessed you, you will plan ahead. You will plan on giving. And you will decide. You won't just look, reach in your pocket and see what do I have and what can I afford. You'll make a decision. This is what I will give. He also says it should be something that we decide in our heart. The place where we where we pray, the place where we spend time with God. It should not only be purposeful, it should be prayerful. That that proportion should be developed in conversation with God about what He would want us to give. And as we sense His direction in our life, we, we make a plan to be obedient in that. For those that give under compulsion, that's a very troubling idea because there's no number there. There's no... There's no magic amount. There's no 10% that Paul mentions here in terms of this giving. There's, there's no magic number that you have to give or else you're not giving what you need to. And Paul doesn't say that because that's the whole wrong mindset to give. Paul says instead, you ought to have your eyes on your blessing and you should be talking to your Father in heaven and as He lays it on your heart, you should plan to give that. Now, in the Church of the Nazarene, we think 10% is a good place to start. But it's something that you decide in your heart and in prayer with God, what is it? It might be more. God might be directing and as the Spirit leads. Each one should give what they decide in their heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, but cheerfully. Because God loves an eager giver. Now, if you're keeping track, I said at the start, the whole reason I wanted to preach this sermon wasn't to tell you about how, but why. That's the question we're trying to answer, right? Why do we take an offering every single week? And I told you, part of the reason why is because this is the New Testament pattern for giving. We can read Paul's instructions on it here. He's instructing the church on giving periodically, giving proportionally, giving purposefully, giving prayerfully. But the six-year-old in me wants to say, okay, but why? Right? Every time you give a reason why, because this is the way we always do, well, why have we always done it that way? 
But why? But why? But why? Well, let me go a little bit farther into that. Why do we take an offering every single week? We do it because that's the New Testament pattern for worship. But we also do it because it shapes us. We are what we repeatedly do. And by giving in the right way, by giving, by giving periodically, by giving proportionally, by giving purposefully, by giving prayerfully, we are shaped and formed. In that passage from 2 Corinthians, the first verse we read, verse 6, 2 Corinthians 9, 6, Paul talks about that. If you give with an eye towards what you have to spare, what happens? You reap sparingly. And I'm not fully convinced that that means, I'm not fully convinced that that means when we give a little, we only get a little back. Uh, when he says we reap sparingly, I'm not sure that he means our harvest will be, will be sparing, as in small. Because I can think of a whole lot of people in our world who don't give very much money to anything and sure seem to have an awful lot of it. Rather, what I think Paul is saying here is when we give sparingly, we reap the sparing mindset. As we give with an eye focus on what we have to spare, all that does is ingrain that do I have enough fear deeper into our heart and our mind. And we become sparing not only in our giving towards God, we become sparing in our dealing with each other. As we give sparingly at church, we become sparing people in every single part of our lives. And our lives are based on fear and inadequacy. When you give sparingly, you reap that sparing mindset. But Paul says if you give with an eye towards blessing, if you have your eye fixed on how much God has given you and how much you have to be grateful for, it produces a harvest of blessing. And I again, I'm not convinced, although PJ can testify that God blesses when we, when we are faithful, right? Yeah. PJ, if you wondered this giving work, you talk to PJ. She'll talk you into it. But I'm not, well, God does that. God is faithful to bless us when we are generous. I think even more what Paul is saying here is that when we give with an eye towards blessing, we become a grateful people. We recognize even more and more every single day how good God has been and how much we have. And we begin to recognize that I don't have to live in constant fear of whether or not there will be enough. I can be grateful that my God has promised to supply all of my needs. Paul talks about that as you continue to go through that passage. He says, each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly. See, when out of blessing we give our blessings to God, God begins to bless us abundantly so that at all times, in all things, having all that you need, that's a generous mindset, isn't it? In all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound 
in every good work. When you give with an eye towards blessing, you begin to recognize that you do have enough. And God has blessed you. And He is continuing to do that. He supplies seed for the sower, Paul writes in verse 10. And bread for food will also supply and increase your store of seed and will enlarge the harvest of your righteousness. And you will be enriched in every way so that you can take fancy vacations and buy nice big boats, right? No. You will be enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. As you give with an eye towards blessing, God makes you more, recog- more cognizant of the blessings that He has given you. And as you begin to recognize those blessings and as He pours out more and more blessings on your life, you can be even more generous on every occasion. And through your generosity people give thanks to God. Why do we give? Why do we take an offering every single week? Because we are shaped by it. We are shaped into people who are blessed and can be a blessing to others. So let's not forget offering this morning, shall we? This has been a live recording from our Sunday morning service. Thanks again for listening. If you'd like to join us, we gather for worship every Sunday morning at 10.30 a.m. at 530 West 53rd Street in Anderson, Indiana. You can find out more about us online at SouthdaleNAZ.com. Again, that's SouthdaleNAZ.com.